You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 6. Enjoy. We've come here to worship you. We've come here to fellowship with your spirit. And we thank you, Lord, you're holding nothing back. You've made the way for us. So we come into your presence and we stand before the throne of your grace with confidence to receive everything that we need right now. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, the days of fear are over. And we revel in you this morning. In the name of your Son, amen. The days of fear are over. Isn't that wonderful? You can kiss fear goodbye because his perfect love has cast out all fear from our lives. So we're built Jesus tough at Highway Church. That's the series that we're in right now. And boy, we're having fun. It's so good. Did you know you're built Jesus tough? At Highway Church, we're a little different here. We're different than the world. See, and the main reason we're different is because of who we're trusting in. So when Monday morning comes, which is not too far away, we're going to do things differently. We're going to make the decisions we need to make tomorrow morning, not based on our circumstances, not based on the news reports, not based on how people have treated us. We're going to make our decisions tomorrow morning based on the promises of God. That's really a different way of living. But that's how we live. Isn't that great? It's a whole new life. So tomorrow morning when we get up, we're making decisions based on what God has done for us through Christ. And that's what being Jesus tough is all about. That's how Jesus lived. He made his decisions based on what God the Father had told him. Isn't that great? He made his decisions based on the Father's love for his life. And there were times in Jesus' life when people were calling him demon-possessed. When the people who were following him rejected him and ran away. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been mistreated? Have people ever said things about you they shouldn't have said? It doesn't feel good, does it? Well, Jesus knows what that feels like. But our confidence and our joy doesn't come from the things people say about us. It comes from the love the Father has for us. So that's how we live, all right? So it's a new week. It's the first day of the week, and we're making decisions based on the Father's love for us. It's exciting. And we said being built Jesus tough, there's only two steps. It's really simple. Don't make it difficult. Step number one is making God the Father your all in all, right? Just, just make him your everything. In other words, your relationship with your Father, your heavenly Father, is the priority of your life. And we refuse to allow anyone or anything to compete with that, all right? It's the passion of our lives, knowing him more every day. And step number two is building your life on his promises. That's it. You do those two things and you become Jesus tough. The enemy will not be able to derail you from God's path for your life. So that's us at Highway Church. And we've been talking, oh boy, we've been having so much fun. We like to talk about the promises of God at Highway Church. 
And why do we talk about the promises of God so much? Because God has given us his promises for a reason. God's promises reveal God's heart. The true knowledge of God is revealed in his promises. And boy, is, is knowing, knowing who he really is important, right? Let's put Hosea 4.6 up there, Eden. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's lack of knowledge of God, right? So we don't want to be people who, who don't understand who he really is. We want to be people who are sure of his love for us, who are sure of what he's done for us in Christ. We want to be people who know God is our healer, who know God is our provider, right? If we don't know that, the enemy can take advantage of us. So very important scripture here, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's not us, right? We, we're people who are all about knowing him. And, and the way that we know him is through his promises. His promises reveal the true knowledge of God to us. So we started out uh, talking about your spirit, the most important part of you, and we're in the soul now. So we're not going to spend much time reviewing, but please get the messages. Listen to them. They're available at highwaychurch.us. Click on the podcast button there. Or, or if you've already subscribed, you can, go to I, you can do it through iTunes as well. And, and please listen to those messages. We just don't have enough time to go back over all the wonderful things God's been doing. Hallelujah. So I, wanna, uh, I felt impressed to, to start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning, as we know that God has made provision for our spirits. We've learned that in this series. He did that through Jesus. He defeated the sin problem, right? We're new creations in Christ right now. But he's also made provision for our soul and for our body. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, go back to uh, verse 23 where it says peace, Eden. One of the benefits of coming to Highway Church is you'll be de-religified. What does that mean, de-religified? Nothing is more powerful than the Word of God. God spoke and planets were. God spoke and stars came into being. Nothing's more powerful than the Word of God. The Word of God is more powerful than any drug. The Word of God is more powerful than chemotherapy, than anything man has come up with. Nothing is more powerful. But interesting, Jesus said to the Pharisees, your traditions have made the Word of God of no effect in your life. The most powerful thing there is was of no effect in their lives. Why? Because of their traditions. Now, we may not have robes on and, and walk around in, with phylacteries like the Pharisees did, but a tradition can simply be a belief that you've held on to over the years that's blocking what God wants to do in your life. So we want to de-religify you because there's a word called peace that's been heavily religified. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace... So we hear that word peace and we think, well, that basically means, you know, having a nice day. Or maybe, you know, getting along with someone. It's much, much, much more than that. So let's de-religify this word because this is, be, this is what God has provided for you. The word peace literally means wholeness. You can put that up there now, Eden. 
So we could read it this way, and the very God of wholeness. And you'll hear me talk about this a lot because it needs to be known. Let's understand, let's go a little deeper in this word. I want you to leave here today with a confident understanding of the wholeness God has given you in Christ. So we see this word peace, and in the, in the Greek it's irene. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it means wholeness, well-being, and prosperity. We see it used throughout the New Testament. One place is in Mark chapter 5, verse 34. And this is God himself in the flesh, Jesus talking. And he says to the woman with the issue of blood, he says, daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. Go in into Irene, wholeness. What does it mean? And be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. That's peace. Peace is being continually healed and freed from distressing bodily disease. That is the Bible definition of it. Whether you like it or not. That's it. See how watered down it's gotten over the years through religion? There's churches afraid to say what I just said. But it's the truth anyway. Peace, the very God of being continually healed and freed from bodily illness. We're not done yet. The Weiss translation. This is Weiss New Testament. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. We're going to learn what that word means later on in this series. Another word to de-religify. Be going into a state of being continually healed. See, one thing that helps when you learn the true definition of a word and you see that word in a verse, put the true definition in there. It'll open your understanding. Be going into a state of peace. What's a state of peace? It's a condition I live in, right? I'm a resident of the state of peace. Right? A state of peace. And what does peace mean? And be continually sound in body, healed of your affliction. That's peace. Being continually sound in body, healed of your affliction. The very God of peace. We're not done yet. Luke chapter 9. Excuse me, 8. Luke chapter 8. Jesus is talking. He says to her, Daughter, your faith, your confidence and trust in me has made you well. That's what saved means. Made you well or made you whole. Go enter into peace. Here's a very simple definition of peace, and the Amplified gives it to us. Untroubled, undisturbed well-being. This is Bible, folks. It's been hidden behind traditions, but this is peace. God has given us untroubled, undisturbed well-being. That is His will for your life. It's just the truth anyway. We're not done yet. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to go through quite a few of these verses. Well, we got, what, three more here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. This is all the word irene, okay? 
Well, a good way to understand the Scriptures is to find multiple examples right, of that word and see how it's used. It says here in 2 Peter, May grace, God's favor, and irene, which is perfect well-being. Amplify. That's what peace is. Perfect well-being. May it be multiplied to you. God wants to multiply perfect well-being to us. Isn't that amazing? He wants to multiply wholeness to us. But we have to let him. We have to believe that. We are, see, when you trust God, when you look to him as your healer, things begin to change. All right, let's do two more scriptures. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So now understanding what peace is, let's read this verse. And the very God of being continually healed, of being sound, of being continually free from bodily disease, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being, sanctify you. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless, complete, another translation says, sound, another translation says, under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is God's will for our lives, starting right now, until Jesus comes back, God wants you to be whole. Isn't that wonderful? From now until Jesus comes back, God wants you whole. One more scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Are you ready for this one? Now. I want to read you a definition of now. Can I do that? Actually, I'm going to read it out of the thesaurus. We're talking about now because God is now. Here's what the thesaurus says about now. At once, straight away, right away, right now, this minute, this instant, immediately, instantly, directly, without further ado, promptly, without delay, as soon as possible, informal, pronto, straight off. A-S-A-P. Now. This moment. The moment you're sitting in your chair right now. May the Lord of wholeness himself give you wholeness always in every way. When? Now. Pronto. Wow. It seems like God has an agenda, doesn't it? He does. To make you whole. To see you experience the wholeness that he's provided for you in Christ. Now, I emphasize this so strongly because of the religious teachings that are out there. That, 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 that are not now. They're when you get to heaven. And there are people who say, and, and, and ministers who will teach, now, this is just, you've gone too far. Wholeness in this life, well, in heaven, yes, but that's not until we get to heaven. Listen closely to me. Being whole in your body is not the fullness of our redemption. Right. <laughs> it is not. Oh my, how small religious religion makes you think. Being whole in your body is God's basic provision for your time on earth. Amen. 
It is. You want to talk about the fullness of our redemption. Oh, my goodness. Right? The fullness of our redemption includes a glorified, brand-new Jesus body. In other words, when we're fully redeemed, this mortal body is going to be completely transformed into an immortal, walk-through-walls-disappear-here-and-show-up-over-there body. It's the body Jesus had when he rose from the dead. He walked through walls. He disappeared and went wherever he wanted, right, instantly. That's, that's part of the fullness of our redemption. You want to talk about the fullness of our redemption, I'm talking about a new heaven and a new earth, things beyond we've, what we've even dreamed of. See, religion will bring what, you, what you're believing for down to a teeny little tiny thing that really doesn't impact your life, but God wants you whole now, always, in every way. Isn't that wonderful to know that? Now, at this moment, may the Lord of wholeness himself give you wholeness always in every way. Amen to that. So God's provided wholeness for us in our soul. And we really got into it last Sunday. Oh, we had so much fun. But your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is where the battle is. Because our spirit's made new. Your spirit was, was, was born from above and, and recreated in the image of God, but our soul wasn't, our mind wasn't, and our body wasn't. So we've got to bring our soul and body into subjection to our recreated spirit. And we do that through simple faith in the Word. But the enemy will really try and fight you on this thing. All right, so let's get into it here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for saying everything that needs to be said. So your spirit is who you are, right? But your soul is not who you are. All right, spirit, soul are not the same thing. There's a lot of confusion about this. I, I say it over and over, okay? Your spirit is who you are. Your soul are tools that God has given you, all right? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That is not who you are. Those are the tools God has given you, all right? But even though they are different, they're connected, you cannot separate your soul from your spirit. You can only discern between it. Very important to understand that. And we've learned that uh, in this series. We know that God's Word, Hebrews 4.12, is the tool that we use to discern between our soul and spirit. Right? Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. And it is imperative if you want to experience the healer, the wholeness that God has for you, that you can accurately discern between your spirit and your soul. So check out Hebrews 4.12. We're not going to go into that today, all right? So there are many, believe, many Christians today who are struggling in their walk with the Lord. They're having a very difficult time on earth because they're living by their soul instead of their spirit. They're walking by the soul instead of the spirit. And we want to make sure that we're walking by the spirit. So even though your spirit is made new, you could be struggling with all kinds of things needlessly because you're letting your soul determine your actions instead of your spirit. All right, so let's look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Through Christ, God has empowered us to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. 
all right? He gave us a new spirit, and our spirit now has the dominion over our soul and over our body. But you've got to know that and exercise it. So Romans chapter 8, verse 9, look what this says. This is to all believers, to anyone who's put their faith in Jesus. This is to them. This is to you, right? It says, but you are not in the flesh. That might be news to you. Did you know that? You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So many believers wouldn't even accept that. Well, of course I'm in the flesh. Look at me. I'm in the f- No, that's not what it's saying. You're not controlled by your flesh. You're, you're controlled by the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. The New International Version says it this way. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. I like how the Living Bible says it. But you are not like that. You are controlled by your new nature. There are many Christians that don't even know they have a new nature because of religious tradition. You have a new nature inside of you. Whose nature is it? God's. When you put your faith in Christ, God's nature was implanted in you. His spirit made your spirit brand new, and he took up residence inside of you. You have the nature of God inside of you. You're controlled by your new nature. If you have the spirit of God living in you, and if you put your faith in Christ, if you're born again, you've got the spirit of God living in you. When you walk through this week, remind yourself of this. I have a new nature God's nature has become my own. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So this battle's going on in our mind to try and keep you from experiencing the new nature God's given you. And why does it happen in the mind? We we gave you a a reason last week. I'm going to give you a new reason this week, another reason. Why is this battlefield going on in the mind? Why is the devil trying to bombard you with thoughts and discourage you up here? Because you need another witness inside of you to agree with your spirit. Stay with me on this one. There's three parts to you. You're a spirit, soul, and body, okay? Your spirit is who you are. But you need another witness inside of you to agree with your spirit. Let me give you a scripture on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Who said that, you know? That's Paul writing, but who's he quoting? Jesus from Matthew 18, right? By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Now, we're just talking about you right now, not other people in your life. So you're a spirit. You have a soul and a body. Well, your spirit's one witness, right? The word of God needs to be established inside of you. It cannot be established with one witness. Just because you're born again doesn't mean you're automatically going to experience God's will for your life. You need another witness inside of you. That witness is your soul. When your soul agrees with your spirit, now you're cooking. All right? 
When your soul comes into agreement with your spirit, your body will fall into line. It's outnumbered. Okay? And you've got a helper in there. You've got another witness, the Holy Spirit. Right? But you personally need a second witness in you. Does that make sense? So your spirit agrees with the Word of God. Your spirit knows who God is. Your spirit knows what God has provided. Your spirit knows what God has done. Your soul needs to know that. And if your soul doesn't, boy, you're going to be living a, a miserable life on this earth. Devil, devil will get you down and discouraged and steal from you and have you going in all kinds of directions. All right. Now, Proverbs 23, 7. Let's look at that. Talking about this other witness, this second witness. The, the New American Standard says, for as he thinks within himself, that's the witness. Right? Your thinking bears witness to yourself. Did you know that? So he is. Let's look at the, the alternate uh, reading of that. I like this. For as he reckons in his soul, had a footnote in my Holman uh, Standard Bible, said, said that. For as he reckons in his soul, or maybe it was on my Bible software, I forget where it was, but I like this rendering. As he reckons in his soul, so he is. That's so interesting. In other words, regardless of what God has willed for my life, however I reckon in my soul, that's going to be my experience. Important to understand that. Now we understand why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, it sounds a lot like Proverbs 23, 7. He said, become what you believe. Wow! Isn't that something? Wow, what, 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 uh, what, uh, what power God has given us. He made us in his image, didn't he? Right? Become what you believe. Now, I want to give you a simple definition of believe. I like this. What you accept as true. So become what you accept as true. <laughs> Even if it's not true. Do you know there was a time when most of the people on planet Earth accepted as true that the Earth was flat? They did. That's what they believed. Was the Earth flat? No, but to them it was flat. And if you thought it wasn't flat, you got in trouble. Yeah, people persecuted for saying the earth is round. Why? Because they didn't believe it was round. So they, to them, it was flat. You see what I'm talking about here? Your soul is the deciding witness. What does your soul believe? Your spirit knows. So we're going to strengthen your deciding witness today. All right? We're going to strengthen you in your soul. God gives us strength in our soul to agree with our spirit. This ability to reckon is really something, to reason. I'm using those words interchangeably, reckon or reason. There's no other created being on planet Earth that has this ability like we do because we were made in the image of God. I know my dog sure doesn't have it. I've seen her do some really foolish things. My cat doesn't have it, right? Turkeys don't have it. Boy, there's a turkey outside of our window. What was that, Wednesday morning? Mariah heard it too. About 5 a.m. Wait about 10 seconds. Another 15 seconds. He didn't have it, right? No one in the right mind would do that outside of my window. All right, so. 
But this ability to think through things and to reason is a God-given thing. However, the primary purpose that God has given us this ability to reason and reckon is to know him. To meditate on his promises. Why is it important to know the purpose for the gift we've been given, the ability we've been given? Because it's been greatly misused. See, long before America ever existed, in Greece, there became an exaltation of man's ability to reason. And the whole culture, the Greek culture, became so fascinated and enthralled with man's ability to reason that they exalted man. And it greatly influenced Western civilization, and that includes us. And man's reason was exalted for for decades, for centuries, for thousands of years. And that has a lot to do with the reason so many are struggling in their walk with God now. Because they're trying to reason and reckon and understand everything instead of just believing. God's method of making you whole is sending his word and you receiving it. It's just that simple. Man's method of trying to make you whole is reasoning. Trying to figure out why you're the way you are. And going over and over and over that, interviewing you, counseling you, taking you back into your past, what happened to you as a child, who did this to you and why that happened. And that is a dead end street. Are we all right? Stay with me. Now, recently in the body of Christ, I've heard of a movement that's out there. I don't want to say the name of it. I don't want to offend anybody. But you see, man's method for trying to make you whole is reasoning, trying to figure it out. God's method is receiving his word. Even if you don't know or understand why, you just take him at his word. And it works. It's so simple. But there's a movement going on out there that I've become aware of in the last few months. And they've given it a Christian name, but it's really not a Christian practice. And it's basically you you meet with this person, and they'll counsel you, and they pray, and they want to take you back to your past. And they want to find out what happened to you as a child. And then they want you to ask God where he was at that time. And I hear this, and I thought, what in the world are people doing? See, what has happened, the simplicity of what we sang earlier, you, you sent your word and healed me, has been covered up in all this reasoning and garbage. And then, then Christians will put a Christian label on this reasoning and garbage and think it's Christian. You can't counsel your way out of sickness. You can't counsel your way out of depression. You can't. You need God. See, we need God. There's no substitute for him in our lives. We need to take him at his word or there's no wholeness. You know your memory can mislead you. So if someone tries to take you back into your past, what happened, you don't remember everything accurately, naturally speaking. 
In fact, we, saw, we were watching a show, I don't know if it was Nova or what it was, but they were talking about how the brain functions. And one of the things that they've noticed is regardless of how intelligent a person is, when we recall a memory in our brain, it's not perfectly accurate. And each time we recall it, it gets a little less accurate. That's just, how, that's just one of the, the parts of the fallen human body, right? If, so someone's going to counsel you and take you back into your past to recollect things. Watch out. Because the devil loves to play in that area. He loves to confuse you and give you reasons why you are the way you are. It's a dead end. And it's the way man has gone. It's the way many Christians are going now. And they'll call it Christian whatever. right? Trying to take people back into their past and figure out why they feel the way they feel. We've all been through stuff. Listen, you may never know the true why. You may never know the true why of, of, of the way you're feeling. And the why of the way you're feeling, it could be something you went through in the past, but chances are there's some satanic interference in there. There's some spiritual things going on that you're never going to understand and man won't understand. There is a much better way. It's simply taking God at his word and letting him figure it out. I love, so man is reason, think, figure it out, explore, counsel for the rest of your life and you never get free. God says be. Boy, do I love that. Be whole. Let me give you an excellent example in John chapter 5. Well, let's see. How many are we going to go through here? Well, let's go to John chapter 6 first. I want you to see the difference. Because you can put a Christian label on anything. It doesn't make it Christian. We're people who take God at his word. And we realize that we can't be whole apart from God. So we're not searching for other methods of being whole. We're going to him. Right? We're looking to him for our wholeness. That doesn't mean that, that, that a person can't use other methods, but we're not relying on those things for our wholeness, right? So in John chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus is talking, well, excuse me, this is before Jesus is talking, and the people say to him and say, what shall we do? That's how the flesh thinks. In other words, what can we do in our own strength? What actions can we take? What philosophies can, can we incorporate? What methods? What can we do that we may work the works of God? And I love the response of Jesus. It'll set you free. He said, this is the work of God that you believe. Boy, the flesh hates that. Oh, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. No, believe. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That's all God expects of me, to just take him at his word. I love that. Mark chapter 5, verse 36 says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, this was the ruler of the synagogue, and he, he asked Jesus to come and heal uh, the, the uh, child in his home. And someone came to him on the way and said, Don't bother, your daughter is dead. And Jesus heard that, and he said to him, Do not be afraid, only believe. If you look at Jesus, he didn't really counsel people in-depthly. He would just say the word to them. Here's a great example. Are you ready for this? John chapter 5. Not going to read the whole thing. Let's see. So we'll start in verse 2. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, 
having live five porches. In these lay a great multitude, could have been thousands of people, of impotent folk who they had no power to be whole, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So you can imagine the activity around this water, right? And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, look what he asks him. Will you be made whole? It's a short question, isn't it? Right? I want you to notice the man's response. He's got God standing in front of him. And what does this man, he begins to tell God why he can't be whole. And I can't tell you the number of people I've talked with over the years who've been in counseling sessions and will recite to me reasons why they can't be whole because the counselor they meet with has told them this. So as a result, they accept a perpetual perpetual diagnosis or condition for the rest of their lives because a man has told them, you can't have that, you can't be that because of what because of this, this chemical deficiency or this, or because of whatever the reason is. Here's someone standing before God, and I'm telling you, we're in God's presence right now. He's standing before God, and he said, Sir, I have no man. So where's his trust in? Man, right? I have no man. I'm trusting in man, and I can't get whole. Hello. When the water's troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Look what Jesus said to him. Remember Jesus' question? Will you be made whole? The man responded with a reasoning, with reasoning and explanation. Look what Jesus says to him. Get up. He doesn't ask him what happened to him when he was five with his parents. How people have treated him, what's going on. Get up. Rise up and walk. Do you remember 1 Thessalonians 5? I'm uh, just going to say it here. 2 Thessalonians 3, excuse me. Now may the Lord of peace give you peace always in every way. There it is in John. Now, get up and walk. There are some people right here right now that need to get up and walk. To take God at his word in your life and get up and walk. There's no need to go over it again and again and again as to why you feel the way you do or why you've been through what you've been through. Just take Jesus at his word and rise up, pick up your mat, and walk. The greatest victories of my life came when I simply took God at his word. The the most difficult challenges of my life were when I began to reason and try and figure it out. You can't do it. You can't comprehend every factor involved in your situation. And no one can. Only God can. We need God to be whole. 
and he's made himself available. Do you want to be whole? Then get up and walk. Take him at his word in your life and start walking. Start praising him that he did it, that he provided for you everything you need for your soul, for your spirit, for your soul and your body. We're talking about your soul right now. That you can have a mind free from disturbance. A sound mind. Hallelujah. So we're going to get over some scriptures right now that will strengthen your soul. All right? So God's plan for you is simple. Believe him. That's it. Take him at his word, regardless of the millions or thousands of people around you who are trying to get in the water, you take him for his word. Right? That man never got into the water. He didn't need it. He took Jesus at his word, and he got up and walked. So there's all kinds of people searching for remedies, but you take God at his word. So we're, we're not Google people. We're Jesus people. Right? We're not looking to Google for answers. Now, I, I, I Google. I think it's fun. It's amazing the information that's available. But when it comes to my life and the answers I need, I'm no Google. I'm Jesus. Right? I'm Jesusing. Right? Jesus. What, what does Jesus have to say about that? Oh, with the stripes of the wound of Jesus, I am healed. Okay, I'll take that. Right? Isaiah 26.3. So here's some great scriptures to strengthen your soul. And your soul needs strengthening. It's the deciding witness in your life. I love this scripture. This is a keeper. Are you ready? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, that's your soul, is stayed on you. Without fail, any time my peace is disturbed, my mind has wandered from him. Without fail. You will, and notice he'll do it. It's not our strength. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, you got to dig into this verse a little bit. There's two words there, perfect peace. There's that word again, peace. God, God is, he's the prince of peace, isn't he, Jesus? Literally in the Hebrew, it says, God will, you will keep him in shalom, shalom. Well, it's a double emphasis. God's trying to get something across here. Shalom means wholeness, prosperity, and well-being. You will keep him in wholeness, prosperity, and well-being. Wholeness, prosperity, and well-being whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep him in perfect wholeness whose mind is stayed on you. Now you see why the devil's after your mind. You see why the spiritual battle is going on in our minds. Because perfect peace comes when your soul agrees with your spirit, when your soul agrees with God. Look at the Amplified of verse 3. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. <laughs> People will say, that's not possible. It sure is. It sure is. And it's been provided. And it's for you today. Pronto. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, its inclination and character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. You know, you need to be committed, ha, not to a mental hospital, but to God. Yes. Commit yourself to him because he commits himself to you. What do you do if you go to a hospital? You check in, right? They get all of your information and you stay there. 
Commit yourself to him. Give him all your information and stay there. Because he commits himself to you. He lives with you. He stays with you. He leans on you. He hopes confidently in you. I love that. i got to read you another translation. Are you ready for this one? The message. Oh, can't be any clearer than this. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. <laughs> we just found the cure, didn't we? To anything that ails us. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. I mean, that's about as plain as you can get. Look at this. Steady on their feet. Because they keep at it. What do they keep at? Trusting you. They keep at it and they don't quit. They keep trusting you no matter what. And you keep them whole. Remember now, the Satan's going to try and pull your mind off of Jesus. Pull your mind off of God. And one of the easiest ways to do that is through the way people treat you. Right? Could be family members. Could be relatives. Could be workers. To try and get you off of him. Okay? But, But now we know his strategy. So people with their minds set on how people treated them are not completely whole. Right? People who keep their minds on other things don't experience the wholeness that God's provided for them. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. Hallelujah. I like verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. Depend on God and keep at it. Because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. (laughs) You have guaranteed wholeness in Him. Guaranteed wholeness. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. I have a sound mind. I have wholeness in my body. In the Lord God, I've got a sure thing. All right, let's finish up this way. Let's go through a few scriptures. I want to give you some scriptures to, to, to speak over your life. You have to tell your soul what to think and tell your emotions how to feel. If you don't, they'll tell you. Okay? You have the right, the God-given right, to take authority over your mind. Don't let someone else do it for you. Satan's fighting for that ground. Don't let him have it. Don't let him have it. Take authority over the property that belongs to you. That's your mind. So this is what you do. You're going to speak to your soul this week. There are times you'll feel terrible. Your soul will feel like, you know, throwing the largest pity party festival that the world has ever known. There are times when you'll just feel like, like spitting in someone's eye. But that's not who you are. That's your soul talking. Tell your soul what to think and how to feel. Psalm 103 is an excellent example of this. Psalm 103. This is what you say to your soul when it wants to throw a pity party or when it wants to, to analyze your past and tell you how impossible it is for you to be better and how bad you've had it and they, how they shouldn't have done that to you and, and how they mistreated you and, and all the things that are against you, you stop it and say, bless the Lord, soul. Stop with your complaining and bless his name. Mind, bless the Lord. Emotions, bless the Lord. Bless him right now. Bless him with everything within me. All that is within me, bless the Lord. Bless Him right now. Worship Him right now. 
All those people I've talked to over the, the, the decades who went to counseling sessions never got this advice. Never. I never heard it once from esteemed counselors. Why? Because they don't know. This will set you free and keep you free. But it's so simple. Open your mouth and tell your soul what life is going to be like from now on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me will bless his holy name. But what about what they did to you? But what about all these feelings I have? And what about the depression and the anxiety and the fears and the lack of finances and, and my family situation and my children and my grandparents and whatever? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I don't have to figure any of that out. My goal on earth is to know him. I can't control other people's lives. You'll wear yourself out trying. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So soul, I'm telling you what channel you're on. I'm telling you what channel we're on. We're forgetting not all his benefits, and we're going to review them right now. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Every mistake you've ever made, forgiven. Who heals all your diseases. Now, this has been past tense for us because Jesus already came. This is in the Old Covenant, right? He heals all our diseases. He's already done it, in other words. It's already completed. It's the finished work of Christ. Who redeems your life from destruction. That includes terrorism. Right? That includes these, these sporadic acts of, of insanity that we see in the news. He redeems your life from destruction. We're in Him. A thousand may fall on our side and ten thousand at our right hand. It shall not approach us. You're telling your soul the way it is. Where who crowns you, soul, with loving kindnesses and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's? Let that be your song this week. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Tell your soul what life is going to be like from now on. One more scripture, then we're done. Philippians 4, verse 4. This is what you're going to tell your soul this week. All right? Soul, you and me have been together for a long time. Ever since I can remember. And sometimes you've really bothered me. But things are going to be different now. This is how it's going to be. You and me, we're going to rejoice in the Lord all the time. So, we're going to delight and gladden ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in other people's opinions of us, but in Him. From now on, soul, our joy comes from His love for us. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always. We're going to delight and gladden ourselves in Him. Again, I say so, rejoice, be glad, bless the Lord every day of the week. You want to see it in the, you remember from last week from the message? So, we've thrown a lot of pity parties. We've whined and complained a lot. We've looked a lot of places for answers. Those days are gone. Those days are over. Today's a new day. 
This is how it's going to be from now on. We're party planners now, soul. We plan daily parties, daily celebrations now. Regardless of what's going on, we're planning a party. Soul, you're going to celebrate God all day, every day. Soul, I mean you're going to revel in him. Now, I gave you a definition of revel last week. I'm going to give you a different one this week. Because you have to listen to the message from last week. Here's a new, another definition of revel. If you trace the origin of that word revel, it means to rise up in rebellion. Rise up in rebellion. Well, who are we rebelling against? Darkness, depression, anxiety, fear, sickness, disease. When, we, when you worship, your praise is rebellion against darkness. Ow! When you say, soul, you're going to bless his name. You're rising up in rebellion against the enemy of your soul who's coming against you. Do we have rebels in here? We're rebels with a cause, right? We're better than James Dean. We've got a cause. It's life in Christ, right? Hallelujah. So let's stand up and let's revel in him. Soul, it's a new day. Now we're in charge. And we're telling you how life is going to be. Soul, you will bless the Lord. Mind, you're going to be happy. You're going to be glad. You're going to look forward to each and every day because we're living for Christ. Mind, emotions, you're going to bless the Lord. You're going to worship Him. Mind, soul, emotions, you're going to worship the living God. You're going to celebrate God all day. From now until Jesus comes back, we're going to revel in Him. We're rebelling against the darkness. We're rejoicing in the Lord right now, pronto. This is our time. This is the day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. This is the day. We're new people. Our new nature controls us now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So repeat after me. I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. My new nature controls me. I will bless the Lord at all times. The fruit of my lips will bless his name. He's forgiven all my sins. He's healed all my diseases. He's redeemed my life from destruction. He's crowned me with loving kindness. He's crowned me with compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah! Woo! Our God is greater, our God is stronger. Sing rebels, sing rebels. We're on each other. Our God is healer, our God is our God. Our God is stronger, our God is stronger. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Hallelujah, amen. Okay, I'm looking at a bunch of rebels, and I love it. We're rebelling against the darkness with our praise.
Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We're going to finish up. Hallelujah. I just want to pray. Father, we thank you for turning us into rebels. Rebels against darkness, Lord. Rebels against sickness and disease. Rebels against depression and anxiety. We thank you, Lord, you've given us the victory in Christ. And Father, I ask right now by your spirit, that you would strengthen everyone here. That they would stand and tell their soul how life's going to be from now on. That they would know you are the answer for the strength they need in their soul. Strengthen souls right here, right now, Father, by your Spirit. I speak peace over every mind, peace over every emotion, peace over every soul right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we accept your method for living believing, and we put our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.